Um, so, uh, as I get situated here, um, like Stephen Jenny Ames just did a great job of, of reading for us what's known on the Christian calendar as the ascension, is the ascension of Jesus. Jesus is headed into heaven, and his remaining disciples, 11 disciples, Judas is now gone at this point, but the remaining 11 disciples are staring into the sky wondering what's going to happen next, basically. And I think uh, for many days, that captures our posture as well kind of looking into the sky, wondering what Jesus is up to, especially on a day uh, like Mother's Day. I mean, truly, um, because with our obsession in our society that everything must be celebrated in a happy way, there's also many people in this room uh, that are probably struggling on a day like Mother's Day, Um, that they're uh, maybe celebrating Mother's Day for the first time without dad around or without their husband around, Um, or it's just a great reminder, a poignant reminder of a dream that they've never had realized. Um, and so in all of that, we, we, we join the disciples, really, as they look up into heaven and they wonder what's next. Um, if you don't know this, you have been on a journey for the last 12 weeks at this church. We started Lent 12 weeks ago when we started on spiritual warfare. And when we started with spiritual warfare, one of the main themes that we, we talked about through Lent uh, was that our battle is not against flesh and blood but it is against the rulers, the principalities, these authorities that are kind of in this spiritual realm messing everything up. And so when we might want to hate someone or or get vengeance upon someone, we've got to realize that they're actually not the enemy. It's the the rulers and the principalities of the air, so to speak, that are our enemies. And yet, so on today, on the day on the Christian calendar, yes, it's Mother's Day, but also it's Ascension Sunday, That's where we're headed. So how is it that the ascension um, really affects us on Mother's Day? On this journey, we've um, looked at spiritual warfare. We've celebrated the risen King Jesus. um, And now, some 40 days after Jesus was on the earth, he disappears. And he doesn't just vanish. He doesn't just like vanish on the earth. No one knows where he is. In a public and visible way, he literally flies to heaven. What I love about what the angels say to the guys from Galilee, he says, hey, this Jesus, this one, whom you're seeing rise to heaven, will come down in the very same way. So I would say this, the fact that the ascension is included in so many places in the Bible reveals to us, should reveal to us, that it's not just a footnote to Jesus' life. It's pretty important theologically uh, but it's also important for us because it's everywhere. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, it's there. In Psalm 68, verse 18 and 19, there's a prophecy about Jesus ascending and leading a host of captives in his train all the way up to heaven. This is quoted in Ephesians 4, 8, which is where we'll end today. Luke 24, Acts 1, at the beginning and the end of Luke's books, Luke wrote the book of Luke, we know that, but he also wrote the book of Acts, Um, In the beginning and the end of both of his books, he talks about the ascension. In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is being stoned for his proclamation of the gospel, who does he see? He sees Jesus, the ascended Jesus at the right hand of the Father, giving him hope. This is just the start of it. There are many more, which I'll include today. So the question is this, why haven't you heard many sermons on the ascension of Jesus? I haven't heard many sermons on the ascension of Jesus because I think we think it's just a footnote, and I also think it lands on Mother's Day most times. And so we, we, we go towards mothers. But I'm going to say this, that the ascension is going to bring great hope 
to all mothers, all fathers as well, but all mothers today. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But why don't we emphasize this day on our church calendar more? Um, I would probably say it's because of two things. Number one, uh, this is the thing that's on the Christian calendar, so we want to celebrate that. But one of the things that we don't like is we actually don't like Jesus as Lord. We love Jesus as Savior. We love Jesus as personal Savior. We love Jesus as my homeboy. We love him right here next to us. But if he's ascended, if he's reigning and ruling, if he's truly the king, then whatever he says goes. And that means whatever we do must be in line with whatever he says. See, that's a much less convenient reality on any given day, much less Mother's Day, that Jesus is risen on his throne, reigning and ruling, rather than the Jesus that's next to me. I like that Jesus. I can, I can relate with that Jesus. In fact, he can relate with me in every way. But he didn't just stay there. He ascended into heaven and in some cosmic, universal way now rules everything, everywhere, for all time. See, if Jesus was still here, we would have to have journeyed. He wouldn't be in Richmond, right? Like, do you think he'd be in Richmond? you think he'd be in Rosenberg or Sugar Land or Houston or Texas or America? I know this is going to challenge many of us. No, he'd probably be in Jerusalem, in the Middle East. And we would, if we wanted to go see Jesus, we'd have to hop, skip, and a jump on a plane and whatever else to get over to talk to Jesus. If we needed a miracle from Jesus, we'd have to go and touch his robe like they did in the New Testament. But instead, the ascended Jesus can be all places at all time, reigning and ruling. And that is great news for us on Father's Day, on Monday, and on Mother's Day. But truly, there's great news for us today. Because we enter into this uncomfortable reality of both celebrating moms and, and Mother's Day and also this pain that I referenced before of maybe it's infertility or maybe it's uh, you're a stepmom and you're like just trying to figure out how to do a blended family and that's just become uh, difficult. Or maybe there's been a death or a miscarriage or there's a prodigal child out there that you've just been wondering if they're ever going to hear that soft and gentle voice of Jesus. Or maybe we've totally messed parenting up and we just hoped and wished that God would give us a second chance. There is much beauty, but there's also much pain, not just for moms, not just for women, but for dads, men too. And deep down inside all of us, there is a question that is being asked in the scripture today that we just read in verse six. This is what the disciples asked Jesus after they just saw him die and rise from the dead. They're asking him this question, I think, is in all of our hearts. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is it going to end? Is the reign and rule of Rome, the people that killed Jesus, is it over? Is now the time when you make all things new? Is this the time when we're going to set up a government that truly is just and right and good? Is, is our suffering over? Is the journey over? Are we going to meet our destination? Is that what's going on in our hearts? I think it is on some level or another. And Jesus' gentle and yet direct answer is not only no, but I'm about to leave. But he says it in John 16 that, hey, it's going to be better if I go. It'll be better if I go. How will it be better? Why will it be better? In the ascension, we have some answers. So number one, 
And I could have gone on and on and on about this. You guys know me. I can do that. But number one, Jesus reigns and rules above all things. In 1 Peter 3, verse 22, it would say this, that Jesus the Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. So I've said it, but now there's scripture to back it up that he is at the right hand of the Father with angels and authorities and powers all beneath him. So whatever you might think you're at the mercy of, truly Jesus is sustaining and ruling over that thing. The ascension of Jesus gives us confidence because it is Jesus who is the king. I don't have to be king because Jesus already holds that seat at the right hand of the Father and all other authorities are in subject to him. This matters for us because everything happens under the caring, sovereign, and providential rule of Jesus. So in good circumstances, some of us are like, okay, well, in good things, like we have good things to celebrate, and, and, and we should celebrate that. First Timothy talks about how God has given us all things for our enjoyment. So if God has given you many beautiful things, not just kids, but also a lot of different things, enjoy them. Do not be burdened by the guilt that comes with that but be lifted in the gratitude that Jesus trusts you with something. There's great gratitude in that. The enemy wants to rob you of that. He wants to steal that joy from you, that gratitude from you. But if Jesus is reigning and ruling, then truly we can be grateful. Those are in the good circumstances, but what about in the bad? See, this is the problem with the ascension, is that if Jesus is reigning and ruling over all things, then he's also reigning and ruling over our suffering. See, that's the trouble, isn't it? We, we want to think of Jesus as in control of all things when things are great. But how often do we see a football player saying, praise God for that fumble. Oh, yeah. No, we don't see that because we don't praise God for the things that are troublesome to us. They're suffering for us. And the biggest problem with suffering is that we don't ultimately know why. We can, we can come up with some, some ideas. We don't really know what his wisdom is, but we do know he's wise. We don't know what, wor- what will he's working out, but we do know that will is good. And we also know that that will being good is for his glory and for our ultimate good. doesn't mean our ultimate comfort, but our ultimate good. And so sometimes when we suffer, we have the temptation to commit treason against our king and act like he's not ruling because he's not ruling like we think he should. But instead, my friends, let us trust in the character of God, for he is good. He is so good. And I can tell you right now that I have uh, truly had to remind myself of that goodness. If you know me at all, I'm, somebody came up to me earlier and they're like, well, you don't like to rest, so how's this been for you? Mm-hmm. About as you expect. And so uh, yesterday morning, I'm prepping for sermon time, kind of putting the finishing touches on things, and a song comes on, and it talks about the tenderness of Jesus. And I'm like, no, no, no tenderness with me today. I'm angry at you, Jesus. Don't you know that? And all of a sudden, he just continues to remind me of how good he is, how tender he is, how patient he is. And I just started weeping in my office. Why? Because I went to the doctor on Thursday and they put me back in a splint and I about lost it. And all it does is reveal for me these idols of control that I have. So I get anger, angry. 
that my life's not going the way I want it to be. I should have been a boot. I, I brought my boot. I almost gave this scooter back to the person that gave it to me before I went to the doctor. I was like, dude, I brought my boot, ready to rock. They're like, yeah, you can put that boot away. It ain't, it ain't I was ready to go, and yet they denied that. And not only did they deny that, but they also looked at my summer calendar, although we have some vacations planned up, and they said, that's probably not going to work. You going to Colorado, you're probably not going to be able to walk by then. Cool. Can't wait. How about Florida? Mm, maybe. How about that second trip with the wedding? Yeah, we might be able to get there. And so what it revealed for me was this great reality that I love being in control. And I also love to think that I'm the savior of my family's fun. And instead, this, this is a great reminder that I am brought low where I belong. And that I can trust Jesus to entertain my kids, to have memories with my wife. Imagine that, that she would provide some fun for my kids. That she, he would provide the memories that I hoped to be able to recover for them, and yet what's likely not going to be the case. So when we're suffering, we also have this great reality that, Lord, you're good, you're sovereign, you're reigning, you're ruling, you're providing for me, even when, even when I don't like it, you're providing for me. Something greater than what I desire or prefer is his beautiful and pleasing and perfect will. If we have a problem with this, don't just look to my Achilles heel, but you should also look to a guy named Joseph. A lot of the Old Testament, a lot of uh, Genesis is dedicated to a guy by the name of Joseph who was abandoned, who was abandoned by his brothers, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was wrongly imprisoned, wrongly accused. He was forgotten in prison. And at the end of it all, when somebody could have been risen up into power and taken advantage of that power and abused his brothers, he instead looked at them and said, as for you, though you meant this for evil, God meant it for good. What great perspective for all of us, for a reigning and ruling Jesus. You see, what I realized this week was these, not just those truths that Jesus is in control, but that there is great joy in realizing the providence of God, even when it's inconvenient. And what I mean by providence, I mean that his sovereign and wise provision over his people. John Calvin wrote this in his great commentary, The Institutes. See, this is what gives me hope. I pray it gives you hope, whether you're a mom or your dad, you've got some shattered dreams that you've brought into this room, is this great reminder. Ignorance of providence, God's provision, is the greatest of all miseries, and the knowledge of it, the highest happiness. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're about to go through. I don't know what you just came out of, but there is a great and deep abiding trust that can come and understanding that Jesus is good in his control and his reign and rule over all things. So what that means for us, if you're a mom in the room, that every diaper that you change, every bobo that you have to kiss, every juice that you have to clean up, every dinner that you cook that isn't eaten, all happens under the victory, victorious reign of King Jesus. He's far above, and he's not leaving you alone. He's right there with you. And for every parent that has a prodigal child, keep pleading with King Jesus to keep and change the path of your beloved. And if you don't have a prodigal child, keep praying to King Jesus to guard your kid and keep them on the wrong path, living for the pleasure of the king and for nothing less. And for all the moms in here that are struggling through infertility, which there are some, 
May you continue to hope and abide in the good plan of our Savior. Continue to hope. Continue to plead with him. Because over every diaper, every dinner, every disaster and disappointment, he is reigning far above all things. Ephesians 1 would say this, Jesus is far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age, in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, above all things. See, the ascension gives us hope because he's reigning above everything, but also it gives us hope because it is through the ascension that we find Jesus praying for us. Jesus is praying for us in 1 John 2, verse 1. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate the father, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He will be your righteousness on your behalf. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, advocating for you, continuing to plead the case of the saints of our innocence, even if we sin. Romans 8, 33 and 34 would say this, that Jesus is praying for us in the midst of great trial, in the, great, in the, in the midst of, of some condemnation. It says this, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is then to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for all of us. I told you it's everywhere. Hebrews 7, consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he he always lives to make intercession For then, Jesus, ascended Jesus, is praying for you. So could you imagine someone who already gave his life for you, now reigning and ruling and watching over us and seeing that we might be tempted so easily to fall away, so easily to find pleasures and lesser things, especially our kids, that he is advocating for us, that he is praying for us, that we would love the better thing, that we would long to journey after the better thing. Who is Jesus? Oh, what grace. Oh, what mercy. See, the praying ministry of Jesus reminds us that though it is finished on the cross, on the cross, he was not. Though it was finished, your payment for your sin was finished on the cross, he was not not finished working on your behalf. He prays for you. So I would imagine if there's a guy that's probably too busy to pray, probably be Jesus. And yet that's what he longs. It says in Hebrews, he lives to make intercession for you. I pray that gives you great encouragement today. I also pray it gives you great motivation today. See, here's here's one of the problems that the ascension brings for us is that the our superhero has kind of come in and defeated the big bad boss. And I went to see uh, Infinity War on Friday night with my, with my girls, Reese and Ellie. And I thought that was going to be a great illustration for you. Uh, but it wasn't because the big bad boss actually didn't die in Infinity War. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Um, spoiler alert. Should have said that beforehand. Sorry about that. Uh, nonetheless, 
He does it, right? And so there's a great, there's, you know, it's, it's this, this great saga that will continue on. I'm sure he will at some point. But I thought it was going to be this great illustration for us because in every superhero movie, uh, the superhero comes in and he defeats and then he disappears. And that's kind of what the ascension is. He came in, he defeated sin and death, and then all of a sudden he flies up to heaven. But his praying ministry helps us realize that he's continuing to defeat our enemies one at a time. All those small ones that get left behind. The ones that we think we can handle on our own. Ascension proves to us that Jesus' praying ministry is here. It's helping us maintain victory over every other hindrance. How does that change your prayer life? Knowing that Jesus is praying for you. How does that change your motivation? Knowing that the king of the universe lives to intercede for you. See, no matter what we have done or haven't done, what we've refused to do or what we've longed to do in obedience to him, no matter how far we've run in the opposite direction of Jesus' call or how closely we've been to Jesus' side, if we are found in Christ because the Son advocates for us as sons and daughters, our Father in heaven, when he sees us, he sees us through the lens of the perfect and righteous Jesus so when he looks at us, he doesn't look at us with this disappointing face and go, oh man, oh Oscar, oh John, oh Lila, oh Richard, I wish you'd have just been a little bit more faithful. I wish you'd just been a little bit more obedient to me. No, instead, as a father who rejoices over our effort, not our earning grace, but our effort to abide in him, looks at us through the son of Jesus and says, oh, my righteous child. How perfect, how faithful, and how intimate that is for us. He's ascended, he reigns and rules, but he is not just reigning and ruling over us, he's also praying for us. And then lastly, I want to read this for us out of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, if you've got your Bible, if you can turn there. This is a little bit of a lengthier uh, passage. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16 that Jesus would graciously in his ascension give us gifts. Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore it says, this is a quote from Psalm 68, when he ascended on high as Jesus, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, he, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he also descended into the lower regions to the earth. And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So the point that's, that Paul is making for all of us is that the ascension is the thing that makes this happen for us. What is it that it makes happen? Verse 11, when he ascended to the, the, the throne of God, to the Father's right hand, what did he do? He gave gifts to men and women. Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that purpose 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Jesus, into Christ, from whom all the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's the point in all of this? The ascension is the great reminder that our lives matter to the kingdom and to each other's maturity. Do you know that you matter to my maturity? You know that you matter to your neighbor's maturity. It's not just our kids that will come alongside one another. We matter to each other's maturity. As a matter of fact, if we claim that we're too busy, if we claim that it's not worth it, we will be perpetually immature in the faith. And in the ascension, Jesus leaves the earth, and in his absence, he creates space for us. You don't know that he could have done this differently? But instead, what we'll celebrate next week, see, today is Ascension Sunday, next week is Pentecost Sunday, and we'll have all kinds of different people reading in different languages for us. It'll be great. Because it's this great opportunity for us to remember the Holy Spirit came, He spoke in tongues, He en enabled many people to speak in tongues, and that was an evangelistic crusade, the very first one, and dare I say the, very, the most effective one, that He would preach the gospel to people far and wide right there in Jerusalem through the power of the Holy Spirit, before I get too ahead of myself, in all of that, He sent His Spirit. He gave us gifts to not just equip the saints for the work of ministry, but also to be equipped for the work of ministry. No matter how busy, no matter how much you do, no matter what we have on our calendars, Jesus' ascension as Lord is our invitation for us to take seriously the gifts and the calling that God has placed on our lives. He could have done this so differently. And yet because of his absence, we now are called to be fully present. Either equipping others, if you're an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, or a teacher, or being equipped by one of them so that we could attain to maturity. What I love about this is that all throughout Scripture... Whenever the Bible talks about your spiritual gifts, you've probably heard that you have spiritual gifts. I know that we talked about it last week. I pointed you to our app. Hey, there's like two things on the app that you should go do this week. Number one, go take a spiritual gifts test. Send me the results, lance at thegrovechurch.net. The other thing I told you to go do is to take a personality profile. And some of y'all did that this like week, which was great. And there was those personality profiles came in. And I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense now. This is all coming into focus. This is beautiful. But th those are available on our app. They're, they're, one of them is for free. The other one is at a discounted rate. Um, I would really recommend that you do those things. Why? Because you will never know God unless you start to know yourself. And you will never engage in the mission that God has given you to engage in unless you know truly how God has uniquely and wonderfully made you. It will never happen. And yet in the midst of all that, there are not any real practical instructions on how to use your gifts except to do it for God's glory. And so what is the trouble in today's society with fill-in-the-blank sermons is that it has kind of dumbed us down a little bit. And yet my hope for us is that we would lean into the Holy Spirit 
and that he has given us great freedom to be creative in how we use these gifts. And the only thing that he would ask are two things, that we would do it for God's glory and that we would do it for the betterment of other people. Not for our own glory, not to build up our own kingdom, but for the betterment of others. Therefore, their maturity, their development, their growth. The question is for all of us, not just moms, but dads and students and whomever else is in here, will we trust Jesus in the good and in the bad? And will we engage with these gifts that he's given us? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. You're so grateful for how you care for us, that you've given us great freedom to be creative in how you would have us engage this world. And so maybe we need to just, in our response today, we need to be open to what your Holy Spirit would help us with, open to what you would remind us of about ourselves, that we, oh Father, are your people. We are your sons and daughters that you pray for us, that even in the bad times we can trust you because your character is worthy to be trusted. Maybe we need to discover a little bit about ourselves to engage. Wherever we are on that spectrum, whether we're hurting and we're wondering why they're suffering, whether we're freed up and got some abilities that we just haven't tapped into yet, wherever we are, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you guide us? Would you come for us? Do you counsel us in how we are to engage this week? No matter what we're up to, would you guide the way? And as we lead into next week's sermon, there's more benefit on the way from the ascension, and that is Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit would come and give us power. Lord, we want to find ourselves in this story as we look up into heaven and go, is it over? Is the journey ending soon? And yet we also want to find ourselves on the back end of that in verse 11 where we're gently corrected by your messengers and, and yet redirected on the path of making disciples. Help us, Father. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your comfort. May we respond now in song. May we respond in prayer. But ultimately, may we respond and a faith that's active and trusting you. We're grateful. In Christ's name, amen.